it's one of the pieces that I always come back to when I when I'm at home and I I pick a score from my library and uh, just like to read a few pages and get inspired. It's one of those pieces that that has been with me for uh, a couple of years actually. So I'm I'm really thankful that I have the opportunity to to conduct it with such great orchestras as the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. Some have compared Zemlinsky's earlier music to to Brahms who kind of supported Zemlinsky earlier on in his composing life. But what's very Zemlinsky about this piece, The Mermaid? Zemlinsky was fascinated not only by Germanic counterpoint like Brahms, but he was also fascinated by the Kabbalah and those little details, uh, numbers play a big role in his work. So, for example, I, I explained to the orchestra, there's a moment where in the plot of the mermaid, the little mermaid rescues the handsome prince from drowning. And then we hear the motive of the prince in the key of A major, which always belongs to the mermaid. So he's really fascinated by those little details, and they are there are a, a lot of hidden gems in the score. I'm speaking with the Detroit Symphony conductor this week, visiting guest conductor Kevin John Edoze, who's conducting a program of a world premiere, which we heard on the first half of the program, and Eric Korngold's violin concerto. And on the second half coming up here, Alexander Zemlinsky's storytelling tone poem of the, the classic story of, of The Little Mermaid that you mentioned. It's entitled The Mermaid. Are there other Zemlinsky pieces that, that you know and enjoy? I just conducted the Lyric Symphony last week in Belgium and Antwerp. The Lyric Symphony is a much more mature work. It's also very um, very dark and bitter at some times, one could say. Um, there's a lot of loneliness in, in the music. And it's a bit in line with um, what we also encounter in The Mermaid in a much more friendly and romantic sense that um, he's really with the underdogs. He's, uh, Zemlinski is with the rejected ones. He's um, because he identified so much also with the the mermaid in the story of Hans Christian Andersen um, having lived through a breakup with Alma Schindler, um, a love affair that the both uh, the, the the two of them had, um, and uh, so so he's he's a, a composer you could say that yeah he's always on the on the side of the of the underdogs. There was kind of a, a lot of tragedy. And sort of sadness in in his life. I mean, like like many people. I mean, it's not unusual, but he did experience this breakup, like like everyone does. Then he he flees Europe with World War II coming. And he comes to the United States, and he's really not all that successful. Unlike his brilliant student, the boy genius, the prodigy Eric Korngold, who also 
flees Europe during World War II. He's about a generation younger. He, he studies with Zemlinsky, but then he comes to the U.S. and he becomes a success, a sensation, really, maybe an unexpected way, a, a way that might have not been, you know, in his mind when he was a young artist. Probably has to do with age and generation and maybe Zemlinsky at the time when he um, had to flee his country was just a little bit too old to really adapt to the new um, lifestyle. And also he was in poor health when he came to the United States in, in 1938, 1939. Um, so that all probably played a role why he really couldn't connect to the musical life here in the States. What's so special about the Corn Gold Violin Concerto that we will have just heard on the, on the, on the concert today? It shows the great craft of of shaping the most gorgeous melodies that one can <laughs> can think of, and um, Kongold is, and that's that's also I think interesting to know because you're saying he he was very successful in his film music writing. He's quoting his, himself in this concerto quite a lot, so he uses themes that he also used for certain movies. Uh, the Prince and the Pauper, for example, and and all those kind of beautiful, lush uh, melodies can come together in a in a very coherent composition. So I I think it's a brilliant work of art, and it's also absolutely wonderful to listen to. I remember first hearing the Heifetz recording of the Korngold Violin Concerto, who, who premiered the work in St. Louis, of all places, in 1947, <laughs> and, um, and just being blown away by this performance and this piece, especially the, you know, super fun show-off last movement. But more and more, I'm, I'm just blown away by the incredible middle movement with that ending that's so harmonically ambiguous mm -hmm. throughout and then especially mm -hmm. at the end and then this vibraphone comes mm -hmm. in with this soaring violin it's mm -hmm. just absolutely incredible yes it's it's a very very dense atmosphere that he creates in this movement it's also the um probably hardest to conduct movement because there there is on the one side um absolute freedom is required but it's rhythmically really tricky stuff to do so so you need uh, a soloist who's absolutely aware of what's going on in the orchestra and I'm really really thankful that we were doing this with Clara Jumi Kang who I can tell knows the score and not only the solo part by heart and it's a great great uh, way of, of connecting with the soloist and really embedding the soloist into the sound world of the of the orchestra. Yeah, now that you mentioned it, Korngold writes it very precisely, but it sounds completely rhapsodic. It's contemporary music. And what he does is that all the little tweaks, all the shiftings in tempo, all the agogic, everything is precisely written in the score. So if you if you really obey what what he composed hopefully then you'll arrive at a point where it sounds as complete freedom and that that was that's i think the magic about this 
Concerto. Sierra's world premiere, Corn Gold Violin Concerto, Zemlinski's The Mermaid this weekend at Orchestra Hall with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra with Kevin John Edize. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Peter. For WRCJ, this is Peter Worf. 